Well, we're continuing our hashtag Get Fit series this morning. This is part number four. And uh, through this series, we've already talked about how to get financially fit. Um, we talk, Last week, Halawi did a great job of talking about how to get prayerfully fit. And this morning, we're going to be talking about hashtag Get Relationally Fit. Getting relationally fit. So if I asked you this morning, how many friends do you have? I wonder what you would say. You probably would say to me, well, Alex, I have probably about 500 Facebook friends. You know, like I consider them friends, you know. Uh, some of you, yeah, if you're on Twitter or Instagram, you say, well, I may have like 100, 200, 300 followers on Twitter or Instagram. You know, I'm a popular person. I'm a popular guy or girl. Uh, maybe you might say, well, if I look at my phone and uh, I've got maybe like a 50 to 100 contacts of people in there that I know I would probably call a friend. Or you may have maybe like 10 to 20 people that, that occasionally you hang out with. You know, you maybe you go to like Buffalo Wild Wings together and uh, you try the spiciest, spiciest wings you can imagine and you've got that bond together that you actually do that. I don't know why you'd want to do that, but maybe that's what you do. Uh, and, and you would say, well, they're my friends. Well, I, I wonder how many of those are true friends, are real friends, people that you can depend on. The term friends is defined like this. It is a bond of mutual affection for one another. It is someone who knows you and you know them. A bond is something that is joined together and only a force can break it apart. You know, if you get two pieces of glue and put some Gorilla Glue together, you know, and leave it to dry, you try to pull that apart, it's going to be hard. You need some sort of force to pull it apart. And that is what a friendship is and that's what friends are and and relationships. They should be a bond of mutual affection that, that people come together and it takes a lot to tear them apart. Now, have you ever wondered if someone is actually a real friend or just a fake friend? You know those people like, I know somebody and uh, this girl who has lots of friends. Like everybody knows her and she knows everybody. She has lots of friends. She's always here and there and everywhere. But if you look at the people that she hangs out with, they are people that she can try to get something from. It's like they're not just like normal people who can't help her at all. It's like 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 maybe they may be a store owner. And so she's friends with them to see if she could get a discount at the store. Or maybe like they're a babysitter. And so she gets a, uh, she becomes friends with them so that maybe she can get a little discount on babysitting. You know, look, those, you've seen those type of people. They're friends with people so that they can get something from them instead of really having true friends. And the reality is that's not true friendship. That's not true relationship at all. So you may ask, well, how do I discover who my real friends are, the people who I really should be in relationship with? Well, Jesus gives us a great example. Actually, Jesus gives us the best example of being a friend. The Bible tells us that there is no greater love than this, than a man who lays down his life for his friends. And Jesus actually did that for his friends. Jesus actually gave up his life. He actually was killed on a cross, on a Roman cross for his friends to show the perfect love. 
And, and uh, for those of you who are like old school and, you know, you were in church years ago and we used to sing a hymn called, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. You know, I won't sing it for you this morning. But, uh, but the, the, no, I'm not going to sing it, trust me. Uh, the, the reality is this, is that we have a friend in Jesus because Jesus calls us his friend. He gave his life for not just 12 disciples who lived uh, 2,000 years ago, but he gave his life for you and me. See, there's no greater love than this. A man who lays down his life for his friends, and Jesus is our friend. So that's the good news this morning. That is the, the ultimate act of friendship and love. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, I would say probably the lowest form of friendship is this. And maybe you do this. I know I do this a lot. The lowest form of friendship, I think, in 2016 is you really don't connect with people. You don't text them. You don't call them. You don't hang out with them. But you see their statuses on Facebook. And you don't even comment on their statuses at all. You just press like because it's just like really easy. You go down your news feed and you just like, 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 like. And you call those people friends. I would say that's like the lowest form of friendship. Sorry if I offend anyone today, but you need to be a better friend to those people. Anyway, so we've got the best form of friendship, the lowest form of friendship. So in between that, how do we discover who our friends are, our real friends are? Well, in 2011, Cornell University did a study about friendship. And they interviewed thousands of of different people, and they discovered this. The majority of grown adults only have two people in their lives that they would call real friends. Only two people. And the majority of people who are married in that survey, one of those persons was their spouse. They found out that 48% of people only have one person they could confide in or go to when life gets tough. And again, for those who are married, many of those, that was their spouse. They found out that 4% Unfortunately, an unfortunate 4% had no one that they could go to when life gets tough and people that they could confine in. They actually found that 4%, the the majority of people in the 4% are people who we would consider successful or intelligent. And I said first service, and I'll say it again, probably those people have no friends because they're too intelligent for anybody else anyway. No one else wants to be their friend anyway. But isn't that sad that there is people in this world, they have nobody that they can confide in, nobody that they can go to when life gets tough. And the majority of us here this morning, we've only got two people that we can do that with. Well, did you know that us as human beings, we were made for relationships? We were made for community. We were made for friendship. Firstly, God created us as humans in order so that we could have relationship with God. God is not a God up there who, who is just demanding orders and we're like robots doing whatever you know, God tells us to do. We were created to be in relationship with God, to have community with God and have friendship with God. But that wasn't just it. God also created us so that we could be in relationship and community with others around us as well. There was a guy called Adam. Adam was the first man who ever lived on this earth. 
And some of you, you know, you're celebrating Valentine's Day today. And, uh, you, you know, some of you ladies, you're thinking about the man of your dreams. Maybe they're beside you today. Maybe they brought you these roses or they gave you a like sweet card, you know, or a really cheesy teddy bear or something like that. And you're thinking, oh, this is the perfect guy for me. Maybe the guy next to you didn't do that. And you're really actually dreaming of the perfect guy instead of the person next to you. But let me tell you this morning, this guy called Adam was the perfect guy. He was the guy every woman dreams of. He was like soft and rugged at the same time. You know, like soft skin, but he could grow like a perfect five o'clock shadow. You know, he like 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 he was tender, but yet he 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 had like a square chin. You know, I mean, he was uh, he he could be tough when he wanted to, but then he was soft when it comes to his relationships. He was a perfect guy. I think that's what you ladies like, right? I don't know, but he was the perfect guy. And God created him, and then one day he ate of a forbidden fruit, and he became the unperfect guy, like the rest of us guys here this morning, unperfect. But even when Adam was the perfect guy, he had relationship with God, but yet that wasn't enough. He still needed relationships with other people. So God created a perfect woman. There's lots of perfect women here this morning, right? But God created a perfect woman called Eve so that they could have community and relationship and friendship one with another. You may think, well, I can do life by myself. I'm good. You know, I've been through a lot. I've been burnt by people. I can do it myself. You know, I can raise my kids by myself. I, 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 I can find relationships by myself. I can do my work myself. I can pay my bills. I don't need anybody else. And unfortunately for you, you've got it all wrong because you can't. And the reason is this, you can't do life alone. You need others to share life with, and you know what? They need you as well. A bond of mutual affection in this life is a must. If you want to live this journey of faith that we are all on, and you want to see all the great things that God has for you, and God has given to this world, then you need others to share it with. It is important to develop that relationship with God, but equally as important is to develop your relationships with others around you. Actually, there was a guy called Solomon who once was the wisest man who ever lived. When Jesus came, Jesus took that mantle. I don't think anyone's taking that from Jesus. So we're going to say he was the second wisest man who ever lived. And he wrote a book called Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 to 12. Sorry, verse 9 to 12, he said this. Two people are better off than one. For they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. For you married couples, you know last night was cold. And maybe your spouse just kept you warm last night. It was better than sleeping by yourself. Unless you were in my bed, then my wife took the electric blanket all for herself. Says, but how can one be warm alone unless he has the electric blanket, right? Okay, verse two, verse twelve. It says, "Yeah, they didn't have electric blankets when Solomon wrote this." Just to let you know, 
Verse 12, it says, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. Solomon is saying this. He says, you need to do life with other people. You need to be in community and friendship and relationship with other people. And the more you develop authentic, real relationships, the more that you're going to find meaning in this life. Did you know that statistics will tell you that the five people that you spend most of your life with, most of your time with, will define who you become. You become like the five people that you spend most of your time with. So I ask you today, who are your five? Who are your five that you spend your time with? See, not all relationships and friendships are healthy. Even though we were made for community, it doesn't mean, well, we just become everyone's friend. We just be in community with everybody because not all friendships and relationships are healthy. For example, take the the woman who stays in an unhealthy sexual relationship. Take the young man who is drawn to the community in a gang. Take, for example, the middle-aged man who is drawn into a relationship with a woman who is not his wife. Or take the suburban or urban mother who, who forms a, a group of, of women around them. And really they're not really friends, but they're nothing more than just a gossip center, gossip girls. Those are examples are of unhealthy relationships. See, there are some relationships that you need to work on. There are some relationships that you need to strengthen. And everybody who's married here today, you need to strengthen your marriage every day, every week, every month. And then there are some relationships and friendships that you need to move on from and leave behind. So this morning, we want to give you, I'm going to give you four examples of things to look for in those relationships and in those friendships. Before I do that, I want to give you a a quick story. It's actually a story of two rednecks. Hope nobody gets offended by that word, but there are probably rednecks here this morning, so let's get over it. Two rednecks, right? Rednecks, and they were friends. They had a mutual affection for each other for their hunting. They went and hunted together. And one day, these two rednecks, they were out in the woods hunting. Then suddenly, one of them fell to the ground. As he fell to the ground, his eyes rolled back in his head. His other friend, his redneck friend, looked and what? what can I do? So he pulls out his phone with his outer box on it, and he starts to call 911. And as he calling 911, suddenly he hears on the other end, 911, what's your emergency? And this redneck, frantically, he tells the operator, Bubba is dead. What can I do? The operator, in a calm, smoothing voice, said, just take it easy. I can help. First, let's make sure he's actually dead. Then there was silence. And then the operator on the other end of the line suddenly heard a shot. And then the man came back on the phone and he said this, okay, he's dead, now what? You know, those are the friends that you do not want in this life. Those aren't the kind of friends when you're down, they're going to shoot you. This is the kind of friend that you want in your life. Firstly, a friend that encourages you. A friend that encourages you. Did you know that love is the foundation of all relationships? 
all healthy, real relationships. Love is the foundation. It's the foundation of our relationship with God. It is the foundation of a healthy marriage. It's the foundation of a healthy family unit. And it's the foundation of real, authentic friendships. Let me ask you today, and you can shout back out to me. What is the opposite of love? Anyone? You were here this morning. No, you weren't. So this morning, this really worked because everyone said hate. Hate is not the opposite of love. Apathy is the opposite of love. Actually, love and hate are pretty close. Very. But on the other extreme, there is a word called apathy that is the opposite of love. It means that I don't do anything to, to, to increase my friendship or my relationship. See, love drives us to move forward. Apathy just thinks that we can just stay and everything will. And I've done this in my life, in my relationships and friendships. Uh, in, in the past, I've become apathetic towards them. I thought, well, I'll always be friends. We'll always be in relationship. But yet, if you don't work at those things, then those things will fall and they will become unhealthy. See, Romans chapter 12 and verse 9 to 10 tells us this. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. See, it is out of love that encouragement and strength comes into a relationship. Encouragement brings trust. And that is the bond of any good relationship. See, when friendship is built on love, it becomes strong. And then the glue that holds that bond together, that love together, is encouragement. You don't want to be around people who are just always beating you down. Who who are always just saying bad things about you. You want to be around people who will encourage you. Who will lift you up. Who will love you with genuine affection. See, are your friends encouraging you to go higher? Are your friends encouraging you to become better? Are your friends encouraging you to love more? Are your friends people who will lift you in times of trouble? Proverbs 17, 17 tells us this. It says, a friend is always loyal. A brother is born to help in times of need. See, the people who are loyal and are there in times of need, they're real friends. They're real friends. People who will encourage you and lift you up. So you need friends who will encourage you, but also you need a friend which corrects. A friend which corrects. Did you know that real friends tell the truth? Real friends tell the truth. We've all got friends who who are just like, you know, just egg us on to to do things, but they never really correct us or tell us that we're, we're wrong. I know each morning as I go into my closet and I put my clothes on, whatever I'm wearing, I can go to my wife and ask us, does this look good? I know for a fact that she will tell me exactly how it looks. 
Now, it doesn't happen the other way around. I'm like, babe, you look beautiful, you know. But the reality is she will tell me exactly what she thinks, whether I like it or not. I'm one of those people, when people tell me I'm wrong, I get defensive. I know that. My first reaction is like, no, I didn't. No, you know, that's not me. I get defensive. But the reality is you need people in your life who will tell you exactly the truth. You need to surround your peer, your, yourself with people who care enough to confront. Do you know why? Because we're not perfect. We always do things that are wrong. Well, not always. Sometimes we do things that are wrong. But we need people around us who care enough to confront, who care enough that when we are doing something wrong, they will tell us. When we're being a jerk, they'll tell us we're being a jerk. Proverbs 27.6 tells us this. It says, wounds from a sincere friend are better than any kisses from an enemy. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than any kisses from an enemy. Proverbs 27.17 tells us, as iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. This is what you need to do. You need to have people in your life that you give permission to to speak the truth into your life. You need people who you give permission to 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 correct you when you are wrong. See, this is why I've discovered about friendships, real friendships. If you have a friendship where everything just smells like roses all the time, that you know there's never any problems, never any friction, I would question if you've got a real f- friendship. See, real friendships often at times have friction in it because real friends care enough to confront, care enough to tell the truth. And I know my real friendships at times, people who I call real friends, there's been times that I've just wanted to like strangle them, you know, even like, like sometimes even wanted to punch him in the face. I haven't because I'm a good Christian. You know? But the reality is this, any real friends will correct You need a friend who will encourage, a friend that will correct. You also need a friend with good character. A friend with good character. You, your mother said to you when you were young, I don't want you hanging out with those people. I don't want you hanging out with that group of friends. I don't want you hanging out with that friend. And you're like, mom, why? What's wrong with them? They're like, there's something about them I don't like. You know, I had people like that when when I was growing up. My mom would always say, I don't want you hanging out with them. And I was like, Mom, you're like, you old fuddy-duddy, why? I mean, what's wrong? You know? I mean, we think we know so much more when we're like 13 and 14 years old. You know, even when we're 25, we still think we know more than our mother. We never know more than our mothers. But the reality is this, is often our mothers saw a character, for, uh, a, a character issue with that person. Did you know the character of a friend will have a direct impact on your character? We say about the five, the five people that you hang out with the, the most, you become like them. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 33 tells us this, bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. Not the other way around, not good character will, will help bad company become better, but bad company corrupts good character. Don't be fooled. If you spend more time with people who are pulling you down than people who are lifting you up, guess who wins? The people who pull you down every single time for bad company corrupts good character. 
You become your environment. If you hang out with people who gossip, guess what you're going to do? If you hang out with people who cheat on their spouses, then there's a high probability something might happen in your marriage. If you hang out with people who who neglect their marriage or neglect their kids, guess what's going to happen? You're probably going to start becoming like that. If you hang out with people, all they care about is work, work, work. You may start to become a workaholic. If you hang out with people, all they care about is possessions. You're going to want more because we become our environment. Proverbs 16, 28 tells us this. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. Let me tell you, be careful about what you say about others. Be careful about being around people who always talk about others. Sometimes people come in the outfit of friendship, but really all they're looking for is an avenue to gossip. And your listening ear is giving them an avenue to gossip. Tell you, people with good character, when, when they hear other people talking about others, they don't want anything to do with it. See, gossip will separate the best of friends. See, if you're talking more about other people than making each other better and more godly, then your friendship is an unhealthy friendship. I'll say that again. If you are talking more about other people than about making each other better and more godly, your friendship is an unhealthy friendship. You need people with good character. You need people who will encourage you, people which will correct you, people with good character. And finally this morning, you need a friend who gives good advice. I've heard so many people do bad things because they got bad advice from a friend. And and so often, you know, we want to give people advice, but we don't always have the answer. And that's okay if we don't always have the answer. We don't always need to give advice. I'd rather hear my friends say nothing to me than give me bad advice. So you need people to, to, to surround yourself with people who will give good advice and good advice does not always have something to say. So you've got to watch those people who will say, you know, oh, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this because I know the reality is we haven't got it all together. None of us have got it all together. But you do need to be around people who will give a good advice. Proverbs 27.9 tells us, The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. If you can't go to your circle of friends or your relationships for help, help and advice, you probably need to start looking at a new circle of friends. Proverbs 13.20 tells us, Walk with the wise and become wiser. Associate with fools and get into trouble. Like we say, we become our environment, right? So you want to be around people who are wise. I know over the last two or three years, I have become so much more intentional about who I associate myself with. I've become more intentional about associating people who are of good character and who are a little wiser. Because I know that I need to develop wisdom as a pastor, as a father, as a husband. I need to develop wisdom. And I can learn that from other people. But I need to associate myself with those people around. You become so much more intent. When you become so much more intentional about your relationships, you learn so much. See, a good friend is this. 
A good friend is someone who realizes they don't have it all together and they need to improve themselves. If you come across the person who thinks that they've got it all together, I would stay well clear of that person. You want to be around people who, who, who want to improve themselves because I found that those people are the ones who give the best advice. So you need to be around someone who encourages you. You need a friend which corrects, a friend of good character, and a friend that gives good advice. See, if you want to fly higher, if you want to go deeper, if you want to reach further, then you cannot do it alone. You need others around you. And your vision for your life and your family, if it does not require anyone else, then your vision's not big enough. This church, we've got a vision for this church. And I know that I cannot do this by myself. You know, we're going to get like, we got like a 26 mile race. I'm going to get like a quarter of a mile and I'll be like, (gasps) I'm out of breath. You know, someone tap me in. Someone take the next leg for me. We need help. I realize as a father, I cannot father my child by myself. I need the help of others around me. As much as I think I'm a good husband, you know, all husbands, I think, think they're good husbands. I've realized I cannot be a good husband by myself. I need the help of others around me to lift me, to encourage me. I've realized I cannot pastor this church by myself. We're in trouble if it's all about me because I need others around. See, life was meant to be lived in community, building each other up. And so you need people who will encourage, who will correct, people with good character, and people who will direct you on the right path. So you say, well, Alex, I want that friend. How do I go about getting a friend like that? And this is the solution. You become that friend. You become that friend. You become the person who encourages others. You become the person who cares enough to confront. You become the person who who walks in good character. You become the person who wants to improve themselves so that you start to give good advice. Become the friend that everybody else wants to be friends with. And then you'll find that there are people out there who will encourage you. Who will care enough in your life to confront. There will be people of good character that you can model your life in. And people who will give you goodly, uh, godly advice. There will be people out there who will want to create a bond of mutual affection with you. Become that person. Jesus Christ came to this earth and he was that person. We have a friend in Jesus. Why? Because Jesus first became our friend. The Bible tells us this in, in uh, Philippians chapter 2. So on verse 3, it says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. And if you want just the nugget for what is the most, what will create a successful marriage, a successful friendship, a successful relationship, that is it right there. Think of others better than yourselves. If you wake up every morning as a spouse, as a husband or wife, and you think of your spouse better than yourself, I guarantee you will create a healthy marriage. Verse 4, it says, don't look out for only your own interests, but take an interest in others too. 
You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in disobedience to God, sorry, in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. That is what Jesus Christ did for you. He became the friend that you want to be friends with. No greater love than this, than a man would lay down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus Christ did for 